The title, of course, is Bored But Not Bored. Many people uh, talk about meetings and you know how much they just can't stand meetings. Actually, I don't mind meetings too much. I actually enjoy them if they're stimulating, if they're doing something productive and we're actually stretching ourselves. Uh, I actually enjoy that. So board meetings don't necessarily have to be B-O-R-E-D. They can actually be exciting if we know what we're doing and if we're in a, in a process where we're making progress. So we're going to look at some of those elements. The presentation is split into basically two sections. The first section is going to be basically a general philosophical overview of what it means to be a board, what a board does in philosophy. And then lastly, I'm going to be sharing with you some information that my good friend Gary Suds, now retired director of the Lake Union Education Department, uh, put together for board presentations that he would do. And it's basically top 10 tips on how to be an effective board member, what each board member should take into consideration when they take on this responsibility. You know, Adventist education is very unique. Adventist education is not like every other system that we have. There are other Christian systems. Um, the Lutherans have education. The Catholics have education. Adventist education is unique within Christian education, and it's definitely unique as compared to public education. We support a unique aim, a unique focus, and a unique outcome. We're seeking something different. We're not just looking at preparing somebody to serve as a professional in the secular world. We are trying to transform young people's lives so that they can be in the kingdom of heaven. Do we do that? No, the Holy Spirit does it. But we set up a structure by God's grace that hopefully will have that as a consequence of them being in our schools. What do we mean by a different aim? Well, these quotes are taken from the book Education. Uh, page 13, Mrs. White says, The harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. This is our overarching aim in Adventist education. The harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It's a holistic approach to Adventist education. Secondly, we have a different focus. The focus that we have in Adventist education is to restore in man the image of his maker. And these are direct quotes out of the book Education. We're just looking at a philosophical overview. And then we're seeking a different outcome. I want young people that go through our schools to, to do phenomenally well in the SATs and the ACTs and the Iowa Basics or whatever it is that we're testing them for, and they can get scholarships for college and go out and, and make lots and lots of money. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is a byproduct. Just like Daniel and his three friends were 10 times wiser than those that they were working alongside, it wasn't that they were trying hard to beat them, it was that they were trying hard to make sure they were honoring God. And because of that, the consequence of that naturally was that they were actually excelling in their work and their careers. How is the educational system in our church structured? Well, this chart is an overview of how our system from the worldwide church all the way down to the local school board is set up. And if you notice from this legend here, the bolded lines as compared to the dotted lines talk about which role these entities play with each other, the interaction. The bold line represents an authoritative and decision-making role, and the dotted line represents an advisory or consultative role. So the General Conference, obviously, the Executive Committee of the General Conference is the highest authority, the highest authority of the church. Obviously, constituency is where we make the decisions, but the Executive Committee between sessions functions as the highest governing authority of the worldwide church. Then directly underneath that, we then break out into our divisions. And we have here the North American Division Committee on Administration. Then it goes down to the Union Conference Executive Committee. Then we're getting a little closer to home. We have the local conference executive committee. If we move to the right, we see that we have the local conference board of education. And that board is made up of representation from all across the conference. So every district within our conference has a representation on the Michigan Conference Board of Education. Does that make sense? Okay, so it is kind of in some ways a political type of board where there's equal representation from all across the conference. 
That local conference board, then we see it goes down to the Conference Office of Education, which is what uh, I am a part of in the Office of Education. We report directly to the Michigan Conference Board of Education. Okay? Then below that, you see the bolded line, we have the local school board. Then below the local school board, obviously, we have the principal. Now, there's an important distinction that I want to mention to you. While the school board provides oversight for the principal, they do not provide direct um, HR uh, types of things. For instance, if there's a, a situation where there's a challenge with a teacher, that teacher is not dealt with or worked with by the lo local school board, they report to the Office of Education for that. But as far as the school overseeing the administration, uh, overseeing the program of the school, the constituents, the, the, the um, constitution rather, that process is overseen by the school and as that relates to the principal. Now, something else that is of interest is the school constituency. That is where the church and the school come together. That school constituency, while there is a dotted line here, they do not deal with the primary oversight of the school. They do make overarching primary decisions related to approving school budgets, approving expansions, like if you want to build a gym on your school, you take that to a constituency meeting. So there are some big types of items that the school constituency, which is connected to the church and its constituent churches, if you have more than one church, that does have um, governing uh, powers in those types of categories. Do you have any questions related to the church educational structure? Yes? Except North American Division, is it correct to assume that you could drop in any other name of any other division, you know, yep. European division yes. or African division, and sure. it still be the Correct. Yep. Each structure will have the same overarching principles, but then you start getting into taking into account the local laws, the local cultures, the lo you know, some of those things. So you see variations. But yes, the, the world church oversees all of the divisions and their educational systems. Any other questions? Is that clear? Mm -hmm. Yes. How often does the, um, uh, once a month. Once a month, every once in a while, we'll have a, a skip month, but it is on the docket for once a month. Yep. She said there's representation from each district, so that's like District 2, because like Cadillac's in District 2. I believe so, yep. And are these people that are on their local school board, is it people that are not on their local school board? Not necessarily. Is it, is it educators? Is it pastors? Who... It is a mixture of all of those things. Okay. Um, it is a mixture of... There's, there's laws and bylaws that govern the representation percentages. So on the Board of Education, there are some pastors there, but you can't just have a board that's made up all of pastors. So it's a balance of workers and a balance of lay people. Okay. Yep. And there are former educators there. Um, when we propose board members to the executive committee, okay, okay then um, that is approved by by the executive committee and we hope that the people they're going to make up that board are people that have some familiarity with Adventist education and would be able to be contributing members sure. okay uh, because otherwise you know what would be the point so yes any other questions so that's the structure that we have so what are the specific functions of a board member well we're going to look at a, an overview of that. What does the school board do? The school board helps ensure that the mission and policies of the school are being carried out. It sets policy, but leaves the day-to-day -day management of the policies to the administration. The board's role is not to run the school. It is to make sure the school is running well. You do you understand that? It's not to run the school, it's to make sure the school is running well. One of the challenges that we can sometimes have is we can sometimes have boards that want to get in a little too tight to the day-to-day -day management of the institution, and that begins to interfere with what the job of the principal is and why they were hired for the school. 
Sometimes the reason why a board wants to get in a little too close is because the principal's creating a vacuum by not doing the job administratively and setting the tone and the direction for the school. Are you following what I'm saying? So then a board feels like they need to come, kind of come in a little close and kind of do some of the day-to-day -day management type of stuff because the principal isn't really setting the tone and being the leader that they need to be. So sometimes I'm not, I'm not saying it's always the board's fault. Sometimes they're doing it by necessity. But if things are working in equal balance, you're going to see this equation happen. Sometimes you can have specific members on the board who may want to kind of run the school and, and you know the principal, they want the principal to be a puppet in their hand uh, and the principal isn't able to stand on their own two feet. That's a problem on the board side. I've had to push boards back a little bit sometimes because they've gotten in too tight to how, you know, the exact management of what's going on. Let me give you an example. Um, if a school, for instance, like a, a, a full academy, let's say, that has a full-time principal and a business manager and so forth, if they're interested in purchasing a bus, they will go to the board and they will say, we'd like to purchase a bus for the school, and the board will approve the amount. And the finance chair, you know, full academies have people that serve in a variety of different functions. So they say, okay, we're going to approve $25,000 for you uh, to purchase a bus, okay? Once that authority is given, it's really up to the administration and the business manager to go out and find the best bus that they think would work. If the board is serving in a capacity where they're like, you know, we want pictures of the bus and, you know, we want to, you know, see the specs and we want all these different things. Sometimes that can get into a little bit of micromanagement and that can be not so healthy. You've given the authority for the purchase. You've gotten some idea of what the bus is going to be used for. You've gotten an overarching philosophical What's best for the school? Yes, purchasing this vehicle. How much? Okay, we'll set this price. Now we empower you to go out and make it happen. That then becomes the principal's job. So if a board is getting a little bit too tight in, they're, they're beginning to take on the role of the principal and that can cause some friction and some problems. So if they, if they go out and get a bus and make a poor decision, is that going to have repercussions for the board? It won't necessarily have repercussions for the board, but the principal's gonna have to answer to the board about why the purchase is bad. Yeah, and the board can set some parameters about making sure that the purchase has some guidelines to it. But once that's in place, you hope that you've hired somebody that's competent enough to, to do their due diligence. And if the principal recognizes that they have some deficiencies, they need to get somebody that can help them come alongside. Uh, we purchased a bus at Indiana Academy when I was a principal, and I didn't go out to North Carolina or Virginia and buy the bus by myself. Who do you think I took with me? My plant services director. And we went and we, we went and bought the bus together. And he looked it over. Uh, I had my CDL, but does that mean I'm a mechanic? No. So as a principal, you've got to surround yourself with the people that can help you make a wise decision in that regard. So I have another question. In, you know, your scenario was for a very large school. So if you take a school like Northview, we had 11 students last year. And we have one teacher who's the principal and the teacher. Mm -hmm. So... How do you, you know, if you have a situation where you have a teacher who's having to be the lead teacher and the principal and manage mm -hmm. a whole bunch of things, is it appropriate for the school board members to step up to the plate and say, what can I help you with? Yes, and we'll get to that later. That's a okay. very good point. Um, it is very helpful when school board members come to the principal and say, you know, I know you've got a big, big load. I know you're doing a lot of different things. You don't have time to be the principal in a lot of ways. What can we do to help you? Um, that's wonderful. And principals may say, oh, you know, yes, this would be great if you could help do this and delegate some things out. That's wonderful. And in a smaller school situation, boards will function a little bit differently than they do in a larger school situation. They will have to take on more responsibility because that principal teaching full-time plus doing administrative duties won't have the capacity to do what a full-time principal will do. So there is differences there. Good point. Boards also act to ensure the implementation of policies and plans of the Conference Office of Education. They help develop practical objectives in harmony with the SDA educational philosophy. They help develop unique uh, things that are unique to their local school. Each community within a conference has their own unique culture. And so there may be things in the handbook, there may be things according to the local policies that are different because of the location of the school. Support the principal and the homeschool programs 
and ensure official minutes are taken and recorded for each meeting. Continuing on with some of the overarching responsibilities of the board, consider all operations of the school from the plant to the curriculum, making sure that the curriculum is in line with the Lake Union and the North American Division. Um, all operations of the school, um, the board is interested and um, looking into. Participate in school evaluations. Uh, we just did one uh, at Lens School recently. We do evaluations every spring and the schools are on a rotation and it's very, very helpful when the board is participatory in that. Uh, each board member is on a committee and helping get the document together. Okay, yep, and uh, there's a lot of work that's involved with that. Um, support constitution and bylaws that are listed in the handbook as well as conference policies. And then help planning of the annual school budget and capital improvement types of needs that the school may have, like at Holland with um, the expansion. One of the important roles that the school board has is to market the school with enthusiasm. I wouldn't suggest that you sign up to be a board member if you don't feel like you could support with your enthusiasm what's going on at the school. Does that mean you have to feel like everything at the school is going really well? No. But overall, you should believe in the school if you're going to be a school board member because people are going to expect that. You should create excitement. You are a marketer. What you do outside of board meetings is probably more important than what you do inside a board meeting. I'll say that again. What you do outside of a board meeting as it relates to the school and what you talk about and your attitude about the school is more important than what you do when the clock is punched and when you've punched your time card for your hour and a half board meeting every month. Okay. Also, the board acts to ratify recommendations of major discipline issues regarding students and has the ultimate authority regarding the dismissal of a student. A, a principal on their own cannot dismiss a student. That, if, if they want a student or they feel like a student, they never want a student, but if they feel like a student should be expelled, that recommendation has to go to the school board and the school board expels the student at that point. Usually, it doesn't have to get to that. I have never in all my years in Adventist education, specifically in secondary, ever seen a, a family decide that they're gonna send their child to the board, which would be the conference board if you're at a boarding school, or a local day academy board and have that child expelled. Usually the discipline committee comes to a, a, a decision of asking that family to withdraw their student on their own, and then they do that and it stops the process, and people think that that's technically kicking somebody out. Well, it's really technically not. The family has decided to withdraw that student, and so it goes on their transcript as a withdrawal instead of an expulsion, which is why we recommend it. Okay, moving on. Responding to union curriculum initiatives, recommend the hiring of staff to the Conference Board of Education. So how the hiring process works with a local board is uh, when an opening is posted, if there's a full-time principal at the school, that principal is the one that's going to post that opening on the North American Division website. Most of the time, the Office of Education, the superintendent, will post the various openings that exist in, in a school. If you have an opening in your school, the Office of Education will post that on the North American Division, and then the Office of Education vets resumes. And if we see resumes that are, are good resumes, we'll make calls, and we'll do phone interviews, and we'll sometimes do Skype interviews, and we will vet candidates, and we'll check their Facebook accounts, and we'll go through all of those different things to do the best we can to ensure that they are a good and viable candidate to pass on to a local school board. When that candidate has been vetted and they're passed on to a local school board, that school board looks over the resumes, they look over the candidates, or we'll tell them we have two or three candidates we'd like to interview at your school. We don't ramrod candidates down a local school's throats. We're a team, we work together. And so we'll bring three candidates, two candidates, sometimes maybe only one. It just depends on how many resumes we've gotten in, the qualifications, the certifications, the endorsements. All of those things obviously are in play. And then the local school board will do an interview with the superintendent present, and they will make their choice as to who it is that they would like to hire. That recommendation isn't official official until the Conference Board of Education approves all of the names that are presented by the superintendent at board meeting. Okay, did you get all that?
Does it still work the same way when it's like moving from one school within the conference to another school? Oh yeah, we, we bring, we, we bring uh, the teacher into the local school board, they're interviewed and so forth. The only time the conference has the authority to insert or install a teacher is if there's a change midstream. If there's a change midstream, we will just appoint a teacher to go and if it works out well, the local school board at the end of the year will say, you know, we'd really like to keep this teacher if we could. Or they'll say, we'd like to look at other candidates. Okay? So, as a new board member, let's just say you're a new board member, and even if you're not, it's always good to review what is good to know. What are the things that you should be familiar with? Well, you should be familiar with your school policies. <clears throat> because when you're called upon to make big decisions and you're in the heat of the moment and you've got a big issue that needs to be decided about, about, you should probably know what the school policies are. I've had questions posed to me before in board meetings and I'll say, I'll come right back and say, well, what are your school bylaws say? What are your school policies call for? Um, I don't always know the answers to those questions because we have 38 schools and there sometimes are unique things within the local bylaws that are different than other schools. So you should know what the policies of your school are. And let me tell you something else, especially in the world that we're living in right now. A school can become liable, which then ultimately the conference can become liable, if they take actions specifically related to personnel that are not in line with school policies. If they take an action that is not in line with the school policy, that teacher, that individual, or that parent or that family can come back and provide a lawsuit to the school because whatever action was taken was not in conjunction with the bylaws of that school. So as a school board member, it's our duty as a steward to make sure we know what the policies are so that we do not do things that are outside of those policies and can cause liability. We need to be familiar with budgets. One of the things that I would recommend you do is before you look at a spreadsheet, and I'm not a finance expert, maybe talk to somebody so that, you know, take, take them a, a copy of the school's uh, budget or, or expense report or finance report and say, can you help me understand what all this stuff means? So that when you're passing a budget or you're passing the, the finance chair's report for that specific month, you feel like you can pass it in good conscience knowing that you understand what you're looking at. Okay, procedures, school calendar, grievance models, grievance policies, and other school-specific policies and procedures. The description of a good board member looks like this, and obviously we're not all perfect, but these are the, these are the overarching philosophies. We need to be willing to serve. It's not just a time that we put in at board meetings. Uh, it's also time we put outside of it. A board member should be a faithful SDA church member in good standing. They should be faithful in their stewardship of time, talent, and money. They should ultimately be asking the Lord to use them as a tool um, to work through them in board meetings. They should be ethical and professional in handling board information and discussions. We'll touch on that element a little bit later. Frankly, I think this is one of the biggest killers of all board process right here is, is that one. And put the school's interests above your own. How many times in our churches and our schools do we see the work of God halting, slowing down because people cannot put personal agendas to the side? I mean, it's probably our biggest Achilles heel is personal agenda. Church split because they can't agree on carpet color. I mean, I think we've got something else going on that is more important than that. Um, embracing the school, the mission of Adventist education and support the constituent constitution and bylaws of the school. Now I'm going to move into uh, things that are a little bit more personal related to the tips uh, that we can use as individual board members to understand how to be effective as we are processing board decisions and so forth. The first one, and these are all um, given by Gary Suds, the former director of education for the Lake Union Conference. The first one is we need to understand our calling what is our calling as a board member? What is it? It's so much more than just, hey, I'm a board member at the school. The nominating committee called me up and they said, would you be a board member? I'm like, okay, sure. We need to understand what we're being called to. Listen to some of these quotes. Those who have any connection with the work of God are not to walk in the vanity of their own wisdom. Isn't that interesting? They're not to walk in the vanity of their own wisdom, but in the wisdom of God. Or... 
they will be in danger of placing sacred and common things on the same level and thus separate themselves from God. That's a powerful quote. That's a powerful quote. There's a lot of things in there to unpack. Notice the focus on the sacred and the common. If we are not led by God, if we are not seeking God's wisdom as we serve as a board member, then what is going to be administered is common versus sacred. Because we in and of ourselves don't have anything to offer unless we're connected to God. So if we're not connected to God, what we are offering is just nothing, really. It's just common. It's commonplace. Here's a quote from Gary Suds himself. The primary focus of the board is to support the principal and teachers in their work of guiding each student to an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus. And just so you know, this is a huge passion for me. Uh, a year ago at our teachers convention, we laid out for our teachers what our Michigan Conference philosophy is. And it is to bring students to the foot of the cross. It's to have quality at all levels of our schools. Cleanly schools, professional schools, grades out on time, you know, all of those kinds of things. And we want to train our young people in the mission and message of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we challenged our teachers. It's not, it really is this. You teach math on the side. You teach spelling on the side. Your primary goal is the evangelism of this young person. You are an evangelist who frankly has the longest time period in all the evangelistic programming we have in our conference. People think 26 night evangelistic series are long. How about a nine month one? From eight to 3.30 every day. I mean, if we're not providing opportunities for young people to know Christ in that time frame, then we're in the wrong profession. So that's the primary focus, is the board is to support the principal and teachers in their work of guiding each student to an ever-deepening relationship with Christ. Prioritize your time to ensure your presence. By agreeing to become a board member of a local school board, you are agreeing to support the school program with your time, your talent, and your treasure. You have chosen to, excuse me, to participate in the evangelistic ministry of an Adventist school. Number three, take time to become involved in the school outside of board meetings. Find ways to use the gifts God has given you to support and strengthen the administration and the faculty. As teachers and administrators, ask them, sorry, that's a typo. You know, when you're in education, you're like, people are gonna really, really scrutinize anything that we write up, anything that we put into a, a, a keynote presentation, and, and here, here's a typo for you, okay? Yeah, it's terrible, you know, it's terrible. And I can't even say I'll fix it for the next presentation because this is my only one. So, uh, ask, ask the teachers and administrators about their needs. Pray with and for them and check in with them every once in a while to see how things are going. That means so much. It means so much. I can't tell you how important that is. It is. It's critical. I don't want to tell tales, but that's... Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come to the Thursday um, roundtable and you can share more details. Um, number three, take time to become involved in the school outside of meetings. I just covered that one. Number four, here's a toughie. Be objective. Can someone define for me what objectivity is? It's, it's I think another word that would be a parallel to that would be perspective. If you want to be objective, sometimes you need to change your perspective. Um, we all wear um, our own pair of glasses, if you will, that we see the world through. And we have our own filter. And some have, you know, those sunglasses where they have yellow. And so when you look out through them, every, everything has a yellow hue to it, or like the orange ones, and you look out and everything. Unfortunately, I think we walk into meetings, whether it be church or school, wearing our tinted glasses. And sometimes we need to change our perspective. I heard a story once about Abraham Lincoln. He said, uh, he came up to somebody and he said, I don't like you very much. I need to get to know you. Isn't that interesting? 
and very wise. I think sometimes if we could be objective, and to be objective, we have to change our perspective. We have to go up on the balcony. You know, sometimes you have to get out of the mass of the crowd, go up on the balcony, and when you go up on the balcony, you actually see out and look at the whole thing, taking it all in. Objectivity is important. Yeah. You have to be personal. Be vulnerable. Yep. Focus on the board's agenda and not our own agenda. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes, yeah, that's right. Sometimes a lack of objectivity is thinking nobody else is being objective. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when we evaluate personnel, when we evaluate programs, policies of the school that directly affect student welfare, think about that. We need to set aside our personal agenda and our feelings. Not until you feel that you could sacrifice your own self-dignity and even lay down your life in order to save an erring brother have you cast the beam out of your own eye so that you are prepared to help your brother. Then you can approach him and touch his heart. I think we'd have a lot less criticism if we focused on that. When difficult situations are being discussed, whisper a quick prayer asking God to speak through you. I do music a lot uh, and I'm blessed uh, to be able to do that. And before I sing, every time I sing, I say, all of thee, none of me. All of thee, none of me. And I think when we go into meetings and we're about to say something, if we paused and said, all of thee, none of me, then we enable the Holy Spirit to come through and do the work that needs to be done and say the words that need to be said and our personal agenda can be set aside. The most important time to be objective is when you're dealing with students. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. As you have opportunity, speak to the workers. Speak words that will be a strength and an inspiration. We are altogether too indifferent in regard to one another. Too often we forget that our fellow laborers are in need of strength and cheer. In times of special perplexity and burden, take care to assure them of your interest and sympathy. While you try to help them by your prayers, let them know that you do this. Send God's message to his workers. Be strong and of good courage. Number five. Be willing to give serious study to school program. The fiscal, the academic, the administrative, and the spiritual. We hinted at that already, so we won't spend too much time on it. But seek to understand all parts of the school program so that when you are called upon to speak, you will have somewhat of an educated perspective. And you will be able to speak intelligibly about what it is that's going on in the school that needs to be addressed. And if you familiarize yourself with some of those things, um, you'll build credibility. Uh, and people will be looking to you because they'll feel like, wow, this person, they, they really uh, understand what's going on. And, and maybe I need to start understanding what's going on so we can be models to each other. Here's an important one. If possible, speak to the principal ahead of time about an issue of concern as to avoid divisive conflict at board meetings. Sometimes board meetings can become divisive and competitive and critical because something unexpected just comes up and is thrown at the board chair or, or the principal or, or what have you. And a lot of that can be avoided if you go to the principal or you go to the board chair ahead of time and say, you know, I have a concern about this specific issue. Could we just kind of hash it out here? If I have to speak in contradiction to a board chair or a principal, it's only because it's absolutely necessary. Most of the time, before a board meeting, I will check with, and I go to all three academy, four, all four academy board meetings every month. I will check with the principal most of the time and say, is there any big issue that's coming up? Why do I do that? Because at a board meeting, I want to make sure that I'm showing support for my principal, support for my board chair, and that I'm not contradicting or making them look bad. We as board members can do the same thing. If we have a concern about something or we don't think something's going well or, or we don't really think that something happened right in that last school program, uh, specifically like maybe we didn't like song selection at the concert or we felt like the kids were this or the kids were that, Go to the principal, go to the board chair ahead of time, get it squared away so the board meeting doesn't have to become contentious. Does that make sense? Sometimes it isn't possible 
Sometimes those things just come up randomly and you have to address them. And I have to do that sometimes as a superintendent. But I hope that I have enough of a relationship with my chairs and my principal that they know if I did that, it's really just for the greater good of everything, even for them. But I have to say it. But if I can work through it ahead of time with them, I'm going to do that. Because that's where you maintain relationships and trust and you show a united front to your board members and your constituents. Number six, understand the distinction between making policy and administrating policy. <laughs> There's a huge difference. We talked about that a little bit before. You set policy, but you leave the day-to-day -day issues to the principal to manage. And when you do that, you show trust for the principal, and that builds the confidence of the administrator, and they are able to function and lead in a better fashion. Respect the work and, and authority of the board as a whole. When you accept the position of a school board member, you make response, you are responsible to uphold a sacred trust, confidentiality. The Adventist grapevine produces sour wine and its impact can be devastating. Devastating. I've had teachers who've been dis who are being discussed by a board in a um, closed executive session have students come up to them after the board meeting, talking to them and having knowledge about the next board discussion that's going to come up related to them. Horrible. Terrible. I've had to admonish boards because of confidentiality breaches. I cannot stress this one enough. When you are in an executive session, first of all, going into executive session should be voted by the board to go into the executive session and voted to go out of the executive session. Everything within that executive session should be absolutely 100% confidential. Even with your spouse. Even with your spouse. Okay, because everybody's got a best friend. I can tell you this, I trust you, I trust you. Um, things that are not done in executive session are public. People can come and sit. They can come and sit and observe a board meeting. So as board chairpersons and as principals, we need to know when the discussion is starting to get into something that probably shouldn't be of public record and it needs to go into executive session. And at executive session, anybody that is not a voting member of the board is asked to leave at that time. Also, items that have to do with the conflict of interest, individuals that are part of that process and could benefit or have an influence on the decision that is being made, if it directly affects them, should also be asked to leave and should not be part of a process related to that. But confidentiality is huge. What is the impact of gossip? Lucifer left the immediate presence of the Father, dissatisfied and filled with envy against Christ. Concealing his real purpose, he assembled the angelic host. He introduced his subject, which was himself. As one grieved, he related the preference God had given, to, given Jesus to the, to the neglect of himself. What did he do? He gossiped about God and in the process took a third, 33% of the angelic host is lost for all of eternity because of Lucifer and how he couldn't keep what he was saying to him, thinking to himself and turn his heart back to God. How much, I've, I've also heard a, a parable of a story of, um, somebody who, who gossiped about somebody and, and it was like taking a piece of paper and ripping it into little pieces and scattering it all over town. They came to a point where they realized that that was wrong and they felt sorry about it and they went to that person and said, I'm so sorry. And the person said, I forgive you. Now go and pick up all those pieces. The lesson of that was, you can't. In a lot of instances, the damage is done. Forgiveness is free and, and all of that. But gossip does tremendous, tremendous damage. So we must be careful when we're board members that we keep what's happening in our schools within those executive sessions. Do we need to talk about real and frank issues? Yes, we do. We need to be honest and all the information needs to be on the table, but it needs to be taken off the table and buried in that particular meeting, okay? Also, one quick note about board minutes, talking about confidentiality and talking about some of those things. Um, individual families who are receiving financial aid or uh, students who are being disciplined, no one's name should ever go in the minutes 
Um, and sometimes when I'm going through minutes, which we do, by the way, we go through all of your board minutes, um, sometimes we'll, we'll see a name, you know, so-and-so family was given so much financial aid and we'll usually contact the principal and say make sure that those, that information doesn't go in there. That, that again is a confidentiality um, issue that we want to protect. Yes? Is it generally the principal that takes the minutes? Yes. Now, um, in uh, full academies, um, the principal is technically the secretary, but if there is a school secretary, that individual will, will sometimes do the minutes, which, which I think is, is good. Uh, because it gives the principal the opportunity to kind of work more fluidly with the board process instead of, it you know, feeling like they have to take. It I is. We clerk for our township, so I yeah. take the minutes for our township board meetings. Yeah. And it is more difficult to be engaged in the meeting when yeah. you're yeah. taking notes of everything that is being said. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, the other thing is we probably should do a seminar sometime on how to do board minutes because um, sometimes. I'll get board minutes that maybe need a little bit more information, and then a lot of times we'll get board minutes that are, that are narratives. And usually, board minutes, from what I understand, should reflect uh, voted actions. So it doesn't have to be a, a long narrative that includes everything that was discussed. Usually, it's just items that are voted. Then, then the, the motion will be there, the second will be listed there, and then the motion will be carried. So do you recommend the person's name, like John Smith or... Motion to no. approve no. whatever, so you don't necessarily no. recommend it. No, because if, if, a, if a decision were to ever be looked at in the minutes, sometimes minutes are brought back out. Okay. It, it could hurt that individual in the community because somebody would say, oh, you're the one that made that motion. Um, and so it's best to leave names out of it because really the function of a board is to completely eliminate personal identity and have the identity be the board itself as a living body. So I would not include minutes, I would not include names of board members and they made this motion and so-and-so made the second. Yes, ma'am. Outside of this class, where does the board get this information, say that your chair doesn't know these things? Where do they learn that or where do they find that out? At the end of this presentation, I'm gonna give you a link to um, the Avenus Learning Community has actually two one-hour seminars uh, by Dr. Larry Blackmer and he actually does a complete seminar on how to be a board chairperson and then a complete seminar on board membership. And about, about the uh, taking minutes, you're saying the principal should take minutes? The principal is technically the secretary of the board. What if they don't want to do the minutes? That's their role. Is that part of their job? It is. Do they delegate that to somebody else? Is it okay for them to it depends on it depends on the situation. In a full academy situation where you have a full-time principal, they'll a lot of times have a secretary, and they may ask the secretary to come and actually record the minutes. But they are technically the official secretary of the board, so they work with the board chairperson to generate the agenda for the meetings, and then they are technically the one that's supposed to take the notes. So they could have somebody be the recorder, but at the end of the day, they sign off on the minutes. The principal does. They are the secretary of the board. That's their role. That's part of their job description. Even if there's other members of the board that are willing to take that position. I mean, in a small school, they would be a recorder. And then that the principal is still the one that is officially responsible for the minutes, and then they bring those minutes back to the board to be approved. We're going to approve the minutes from the previous board meeting. It's on the principal's head. In their office, yeah, that's their role. Yes. Could you clarify again? You were saying earlier, sometimes the school secretary will be the recorder, like in a junior academy setting. Where yep. Is that? It just depends. In full academy situations, a lot of times there's a there's a secretary that comes to the board meetings, and they will be the one that record the minutes. So that's more of a bigger school. Bigger school. Okay. Yep. In other situations. Most of the time in elementary and even junior academy, the principal's the one that will take the minutes. And if they would, like for instance, if I was a junior academy principal, taking the minutes for me would really affect my ability to function as, as the principal of the school. Because I'd be, you know, and then I'm worrying about, you know, taking the minutes. Um, so I, I might seek the possibility of having, if there's a school secretary, uh, having them come and be the recorder of the minutes and then I would sign off and make sure that they were all accurate and appropriate. They're not a voting member. They're not a voting member. 
Probably. I, I, I would have to look at that to, to know exactly if there's a policy that governs that, but I don't see an issue with that. Well, that's what we already do in ours. We have yep. a small school. Yep. The teacher is the principal. The principal is the teacher. Yep. If they don't have time for that, then another school board member just takes that I, I don't think that that's a problem. Yep, I don't. I could stand corrected, but I don't think that's a problem. Um, unless there's some reason why that can't happen as long as the principal is the person that's officially signing off on the minutes, then they can have somebody else record them. Now, if you go into um, executive session, that might be a little bit of a different situation. Unless the board approved to allow, unless they voted an action to allow the principal, to allow the secretary to be in an executative session to record the minutes, then a board member, they're fine. But in some situations, they're not. Would they even need to keep minutes during executive session? Yes. Separately. Separate. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you need you need minutes, and a lot of times your executive committee minutes are going to be very very general. <laughs> you're you're not going to necessarily get into specifics because because you're you're talking about confidential things. So the executive well, minutes are are pretty. Because I know in the general minutes you would just put the motion, like motion to go into executive session, and then you would put the time. Yep. And then if you came out of executive session and had further discussion, then you would say, you know, came out of executive session and blah, blah, blah. And then you would go on with the rest of the minutes. You can speak in general terms in executive committee minutes, but it's nice to have a record that something took place in a general category and what that category was. Because if something ever came back for liability, you could show that we discussed this in executive session. It doesn't have names, it doesn't have necessarily the story, but it has voted to discipline student because of violation of policy 3-A. And then you've shown and demonstrated to whoever you need to potentially that you actually process that situation. Because if you just said we, vote, we, we voted to go into executive session, voted to go out of executive session, then, then people can the argue that's the public minutes, right. but in the executive minutes, you're going to want to have a little more detail. Okay. okay. All right. Did I cover eight? No, I didn't. We're finishing up. We're, we're past time. I apologize. Resist pressure from groups and individuals who have their own agenda. If you're doing your job as a board member correctly, there's a good possibility that you will lose friends rather than make friends. <laughs> Gary Sutz. It is better to follow God's will and lose friends than to compromise integrity and negatively impact the work of God. If you sign up to be a board member, you better get ready to be a steward of what God's calling you to do, not what the church member who nominated you is calling you to do. Okay? That's a huge, huge thing. Uh, somebody said to me one time, I don't know uh, who it was or when it was, if you're making everybody happy as a principal, then you're not doing your job right. And I think as a board member, the same thing could probably apply. There's going to be times when you're going to make a decision and you're going to risk that person going out and telling everybody what decision you made, which they shouldn't do. But that doesn't matter because you're thinking about Johnny and Susie and Sally who are sitting in the school and are going to benefit positively or be negatively impacted by a wrong decision. And that's all you have to answer to. And you can put your head on the pillow and sleep good at night knowing you've served them better than serving somebody else's personal agenda. And the politics. You're right. You're exactly right. Preach it. That's right. And there are times when we have humongous decisions that we're trying to deal with, and we're trying to process. And the board is just grind. You know how sometimes you're just like, oh my, are we just going to circle around to this again and talk about it again? And sometimes I've said before, at the end of the day, we need to make the decision that most positively impacts the kids. And when you do that, sometimes you can steer you in the direction that you should go because uh, many times we're not thinking about that. <laughs> Number nine, remember that your loyalty is to the school's best interest. A board member's job is not to represent a specific group or agenda. The well-being of the students should always be at the heart of every board decision, and we just talked about that. Show that you are an ambassador for Christ. Not I, but Christ. Be honored, loved, and exalted. Not I, but Christ. Be seen, be known, be, be, hear, be heard. Not I, but Christ in every look and action. Not I, but Christ in every deed and word. It's all of Him and none of me. The most important thing to remember when preparing to serve your school, 
spend quality time learning about and communing with our Father each day. Some resources to give you at the end. You will actually, actually, just so you know, I went through both seminars, printed off my certificates for board chairmanship and board membership from the North American Division, AdventistLearningCommunity.com. Before somebody signs on to be a board member, it's really their duty to go through these uh, training, training videos. Um, if you go to the AdventistLearningCommunity.com and you type in school boards in the search uh, tab, immediately it will come up and you'll have uh, the videos that you need to equip yourself for how to be a board member. I've been rushing for nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have 15 more minutes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> we'll take questions. Is there, is there anything that you need clarity on that is a little bit fuzzy? I, I really can't stand that when you're listening to somebody and you're, you're thinking, I, just, I don't get it, what's going on? Oh, they're moving on, oh well. Is there anything that uh, it would be helpful for us to cover and go over that maybe wasn't included in the, se in the session? How do you motivate board members to come to board meeting? Northview has six constituent churches, mm -hmm. and we have a couple of those churches that don't have students at the school, and they're not very motivated to send their board reps to board meetings. Sometimes boards, uh, schools, and this again goes back to the individual school and the individual culture, sometimes some schools will put in their policy like uh, if you miss two consecutive board meetings, you're not a board member anymore. Um, or they'll have a formula that they'll use. Um, that's one way to, to do it. You can ask the board chairperson to talk with that person. The board chair is the leader of that board, and so um, they could talk to the individual and ask them to, to, to stress the importance of it. Frankly, I think that anytime you have, you know, boards are on cycles. So you'll have a group of people that have been on the board like three years or whatever, and they're cycling out. And then you'll have some that have been on two years and they've got one more year and some they have. Do you understand how that works? So that way you don't have a completely new board every time nominating committee comes up. Okay, so they'll put them on cycles like that. Every single time that cycle happens and you have two or three new board members, there should be a board orientation. Um, the board chair and the principal should ensure that the board member has had a clear orientation about the things we've talked about today, that they've been pointed to the Adventist Learning Community. Um, in, in doing the research for this presentation, uh, I'm going to talk to my superintendent, but I think that it would be wise for the education department to ask that before board members serve on a board, they present a certificate to the board chair that says they've been through the training that's online because you get a certificate. I printed off two certificates that have my name on them. It is assumed in the video that the board members go through the training and present their certificate before they serve on the board. And I don't think we're doing that. Well, and it's difficult because the continuity of making mm -hmm. decisions is compromised. Yep. Because if you have a discussion one month and it's continued over for the next month, depending on if that person is there or not there, yep. they could have missed the whole discussion the first month. So mm -hmm. when it comes time to make the decision the next month, you got to rehash everything yep. because they're not on the same page yep. or they're quick to jump and go in a different direction yep. because they weren't privy to that discussion. Yep. Yep. It's, it's very difficult. It is. It is. It's very difficult. A board, board chair could also send out a letter to all the board members when the, when the next cycle comes um, that gives some of the outline of the importance of being a board member, what the responsibilities are, what the requirements are. A lot of these dear people, it's not to their fault. They just don't know what's expected. Attendance is a different issue, but I'm talking about functionality. When they get on the board, a lot of them don't even know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, we have one. It's a very small church and they don't have any students in the school. But this uh -huh. was a court school. They're still yeah. a constituent church. So sure. But she never came to a board meeting last year. Yeah, and that's a problem. Yeah. So you talk to the board chair. The board chair can work with the pastor. Sometimes the pastor can be the one that talks to the, to the parishioner. Um, it's always best, though, to go directly to the person, and that would be the function of the board chair, uh, to go to that person and say, we missed you at board meeting. You know. Um, Sometimes with smaller schools, people get their arms twisted, too, and they really don't 
they don't right. want part of the job, but they don't want the whole job. Right. So they might even have an agreement amongst themselves that, okay, yeah. you do this much, but you don't have to go into those meetings. Yeah. And sometimes you're told when you take on a position, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that, and then other That's people right. aren't aware of that agreement. Right. That's mm -hmm. true. So they're, again, introspective. You don't know the whole thing. To the local... There's a there's a booklet here that Narita has. I give this to all my board members. Yep. When I have new new board members, when I the first email I send them a welcome, I um, send them a copy of our bottom laws. I send them a copy of the student handbook, and I I give them this when they come in. They don't leave that first board meeting until they have signed a consent form um, for confidentiality. Mm -hmm. um, and I recommend that you all that you all look at this. Thank you, Narita. I'm so glad that you brought that up. The other thing that you just brought up that was also in the training video was there's a consent, there's a confidentiality uh, document that, that is, it's all on the Avenal Learning Community. After those videos, after the training video, there is a whole list of resources below that that the board chair or the whoever the member is can print off that information and you can come to the board meeting and have everybody sign the confidentiality agreement. And if a board member violates the confidentiality agreement, they're off the board. I mean, but, but again, you have to communicate these things to people. And I, I commend Narita. She's a great board chair um, at Grand Rapids. And she, she bends over backwards for the school, does a great job with it. Um, yes? Here in Michigan, do they have that, the new child protection law thing? Yeah. They, do they have all their board members Sign up for that and watch the, and do the training. It's not shield the vulnerable. It's, it's called verified volunteers. All teachers, all, I mean, Pathfinder directors, and everybody's supposed to. I'm I'm not. We don't do that because we don't. We are not directly involved in. Yeah. In, in it's only those that are coming in direct contact with with students. Somebody that comes into the school, like if a board member walked into the school and said hi to people and so forth and left, that'd be different. But somebody who drives for f class trips, somebody who drives for field trips, those people, yeah. Yeah. What's it called again? Verified volunteers. Uh, it's it depends on what it is. There's um, different. It's a three-year. Shield. shield was three years, and I imagine verified volunteers would be that as well. But verified volunteers hasn't completely kicked in yet, so we we haven't yet had really an orientation from them on how that's all going to work. Other questions, comments. I was just going to reiterate, reiterate what you were saying for her question. Our school constitution, you cannot miss three board meetings, so you're off the board. If you physically can't be there, you call in. Yep. Yep. Excellent. And, and I'll, I'll say this. It's a quote from John Maxwell. If you want to read an author on leadership, John Maxwell is my favorite. He says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Period. If you have a board chair who sets the tone, who casts the vision, who stresses the importance of board function, that is going to elicit a response from the board members to say, boy, this is pretty important. I better not feel, I, I better not miss a meeting. If, if somebody does miss a meeting, the board chair the next day is placing a phone call. Hey, we missed you at the board uh, last so-and-so. Or text. Hey, we missed you at the board meeting. You're creating nice, friendly accountability. Does that mean you have to be a taskmaster and be like, don't miss board? Arr. No, but it means that you're creating a gentle little, I mean, I, we have a head elder at Lansing, awesome head elder. If you miss if you miss a um, an elders meeting, he's emailing. Hey man, if you can't make the board meeting, let, if you can't make the elders meeting, let me know. Da -da -da. Well, guess what? Every time I miss a board, uh, an elders meeting, I'm letting them know ahead of time. What is that? That's called leadership. That's leadership. And so what that does that creates positive persuasion to engage, and that comes from the principal. It comes from the board chair, Len. That has been an incredible motivator. People don't want to have their name in absent without the asterisk. Right. Very effective for us. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I was figuring that that actually is a secret to my success because by and it's not just hey we missed you it you know the, are you okay did something happen um, and J Jeremy um, can correct me if I'm wrong but most of my board meetings people don't miss and if they do miss they are usually I have I have been many days before I get a message hey I'm sorry the pastors. I'm so sorry I'm not going to get, I mean, they always have, but they've never, I've never had a situation where yep. they didn't show up because they didn't want to. I had one person say, oh, I forgot. And I said, you know, one of these days I'm going to say, I forgot. And what's going to happen? You know, what if I had that opportunity? What if I could say, oh, yeah, I didn't go because I forgot, really? <laughs> yeah. But no, it, really. It really does happen, especially yeah. if your child had an emergency an hour before. You were thinking of it in the morning, and then you just had all your grandkids dropped out because your son is in the hospital, and then you forgot all of a sudden yeah. that you had board meetings. And it happens. You just had a meeting three days ago. It happens. It does, yes. It does, yep. Especially when you get older. You, you, know, you get the occasional miss. Oh, yeah. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about. You can be effective. We, yeah. As a human being, you're a great person. But please, you're not being effective on the board. Let us all enjoy how great you are by, by being there. Just let them off the hook. Why do you think they take the position on the committee if they're not committed so they're not going to take the Don't know. Well, and maybe there's nobody else to do it. And the word, that's the word that we're getting, is that these, there's a couple of these churches, now Cadillac Church, I'm a member of Cadillac Church, and we're, we've got um, five board members. So, you know, we've got a little, and we've got a lot more membership, and we've got a little bit more of that, oh, you know, if you're not coming, then maybe we need to think of somebody else to be on the board. But I guess some of these other smaller constituent churches, there's nobody else that's even willing to take the position except this person. And so... We have to function with their lack of attendance because they're the only person willing to come from their church. That's great that they're still constituent churches, though. I mean, exactly. We have, you know, there's a distinction in what we're talking about. The the every once in a while something comes up, and you know that that's a different animal. Yeah. What we're talking about is consistency, where we don't see see present yeah. individuals present, and and. You attend what you find value in. Right. So then what we have to do on the school side of things is we have to say, hmm, why wouldn't that particular person find value in what we're doing? Are they, for, are they from a church that feels like the school never goes there and does a program? Are they feeling like the school... It's kind of like, like what um, the tribe of... Um, oh, what was the name of that tribe? They said... I think it was when Rehoboam became king and he, they came to him and said, would you, would you not be so hard on us as Solomon, your father, was? And Rehoboam was like, oh, yeah? He's like, oh, my father whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions and blah, blah, blah. And a whole tribe stood up and said, we have no stake in Israel. Back to your tents, O Ephraim. I mean, it's in the Bible. And I wonder sometimes if we have churches that, that feel like, back, oh, go back to your tents, Ephraim, because we have no stake in Maybe sometimes why churches aren't really that involved and that representative isn't that involved because they feel like they have no stake. We don't have any students in your school, but we still support it. When's the last time you visited our school? When's the last time you, you know what I mean? Or maybe a lot of motion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So what's the point? What's the point? You know, it's like, it's like when, people, it, when people present for therapy and say, I'm coming in here for, for depression. Is it the depression? That, that is the problem? No. It's what's causing the depression. It's not the lack of attendance that's the problem. What is the reason for the lack of attendance? And we may not be able to influence every situation, but we do what we can up to the limit that we're, possible, that we're able to, and then it becomes that person's responsibility. I had one other question. You said something about non-voting members being out of the room during executive session. Yeah. Um, in our bylaws, we have, and I think this was set up this way because we have the six constituent churches, and basically you get one, one board member per share. And then there's a cap at five maximum board members for any one church. And so our home and school leader is actually a non-voting member. 
Okay. So, and I think they did that so that if Cadillac had their five, and then their home and school leader was also a member of Cadillac, that it wouldn't give them six board positions. Okay. And I think that's why they set it up that way. So they can't vote, but they're on the board. Would they still have to leave during executive session, or would they be considered a full board member for executive session? Well, that's a tough question. They're, they're a voted legitimate member? Yeah. Why are they a voted legitimate member without voting privilege? Because they they don't want to let the one another uh, they don't want to give another board seat to a church that already had their full seats filled by by how many shares they had. Does your bylaws call for that specific position to be an automatic board position? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about it, but if that person is an official board member then they would have the right to stay through executive session, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't be able to vote, obviously. Right. But if they're officially voted as a board member, that membership would carry into executive session. They just wouldn't be able to vote. The same privilege that they would have as a board member in regular board meetings would, ex would happen in executive session. They maintain their speech voice. They maintain their speech. That's a good way to say it. Yep. Hey, thank you all so much. If you have any more, if you have any more questions, we'll be at the education booth. Um, please stop by, and uh, let's stand for prayer together. Uh, as we finish, thank you again for coming. I assume that all the rest of the board members across our 38 schools are experts, um, which is why they didn't come. But pass the word along, guys. Avenus Learning Community. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these dear people. None of them are paid to serve in the capacity that they serve in a financial sense, but in a spiritual, eternal sense. They are being paid dividends that only eternity will understand because of the young people that will walk the streets of glory because we pray they have been members of our schools and seen Jesus in our schools. Lord, bless us with wisdom that we do not have, but thank you for the promise in James that says we can ask of you and you will supply the wisdom that we need to make these difficult decisions. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your shielding power to protect our boards in the climate that we're working in now, in Earth's, in Earth's history, it can be very challenging. But we thank you that you will lead and guide as you always have. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot audioverse.org.